The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie and the Onions. And a special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 7 What Good Girlfriends Do Hades felt the spell cast. He sat in one of the passenger cars, but he could feel someone praying to him no matter where he was. And these days, so few people prayed to the lord of the underworld. Honestly, it surprised him. Helen had performed a ritual. The ash represented the sacrifice of a living thing. In this case, the tree the match was made of. Lots of people used blood, or some sort of animal. So dramatic, thought Hades. Also a bit creepy. The sacrifice could be anything. Why do people think he was going to be more impressed with a chicken or a goat? Seriously gross. He wondered if other gods got the same treatment. Sacrifices mark the people or things that are part of the spell. It connects them. In this case, Paris, the gun, and Helen. Helen had intentionally left the ash on her fingers. The spell was not to bind the gun to Paris, but to bind Paris to Helen. It was an ancient spell of fealty, similar to a knighting ceremony. And the god who follows, that was especially cute, he thought. The subtlety and skill in this, to call him without saying any form of his name. Someone had taught her well, but... She must have seen him on the platform. She knew he was here. Little matter. He told her he would be, so it's no surprise. But the problem with ritual magic is that it begs a god's blessing to work. Now it was up to him to decide if he wanted to give that blessing, or what that blessing would be. What would he do about it? He still owed Helen a favor. Maybe this could be it. He'd think about it. He pulled a box larger than it would seem possible out of his coat pocket. The man across from him on the train watched with rapt attention. Hades opened the box and removed a tiny triangle piece of toast. It had peanut butter on one side, and in the peanut butter, pressed down so that they were stuck, it was covered with pomegranate seeds. "'What's that?' asked the man across from Hades. "'It's a PB&P sandwich.' best if served open face. They are my wife's favorite, and she always packs some for me when I travel. Would you like to try some? I have extra. Yes, that would be kind of you. I do have to warn you, though. If you eat one, you will be bound to the underworld forever. Is that bad? Not for you. You died 15 minutes ago, so there's no point in avoiding it now. Might as well have a sandwich before you go. The dead man took a PB&P wedge from Hades, and Hades showed him to the staircase that led down. The man did not question the existence of a descending staircase on a train. It just didn't seem important anymore. Paris and I sat in what was considered the drawing room section of the train car. There was a chair and a small couch. It was more like the toy model of a couch, built to give the impression that it would seat three, but it sat more like one and a half, 
She sat on the couch, and I sat in the chair, across from her. I shared with her what I thought was the best of my book collection. She began to read through a penny dreadful about a wise-cracking detective who lived in San Francisco. She read fast, finishing the first adventure. She was halfway through the second when I asked, Do you like it? I can't seem to understand why the sheriff argues with the detective all the time. Doesn't the sheriff want the crimes solved? So, you do like it. It's not that, so much as the description of San Francisco. He keeps calling it the city by the bay. It makes me wonder if this is what the kingdom by the sea would be like. Look, here's a picture. I got up from the chair and sat next to her on the couch. She scooted over to make room for me, but still our hips touched as we sat together. She showed me the picture. It was a little etching of a large two-story home with a fancy decorative edges. A man looked out from the spacious porch. The ocean lay in the distance. The sun was setting. It looks beautiful, doesn't it, though? I made no sign of intention to move back to my chair. Paris made no movement or complaint to communicate discomfort. She just continued to read. For a moment, maybe two, I fell asleep leaning against Paris. My head was on her shoulder. My hand was on her leg. When I woke, I thought I saw her eyes dart from me. She reopened the book in an attempt to feign that she had been reading the whole time. I'm sorry, I said. I was having such a good day. I think I tried to stretch it past my limits. I got up and sat in the chair across from the couch. I lifted my foot and set it in Paris's lap. She looked at me confused. Oh, I'm so sorry. I put my foot back on the floor. That was rude and presumptuous of me. You are my bodyguard, not my maidservant. I did not mean to treat you like one. It's just that. In school, we didn't have any servants, and many of the clothes they picked for us were either difficult or impossible to get in and out of on our own. So we got into the habit of undressing each other at the end of each day. That's what good girlfriends do. And I forgot for a moment where I was. I can handle it on my own. You needn't worry. I crossed my legs, setting my left foot on my right knee. Then I pulled up my skirt into my lap, exposing my legs, my stockings, and the lace of my bloomers, with the excuse that it gave me easier access to my shoe. Paris flushed. She remembered a cigarette card where the girl was doing this exact thing. It had been top card for several weeks. There was something so fascinating in that moment, catching someone just going through their routine, innocently exposed, thought Paris. But that was a lie, wasn't it? The girl in the photo was posing for a photo. Was this a lie? Was Helen doing this on purpose? Did it matter if she was? Paris's eyes darted around the room. They were alone, of course. She wanted to check the door, an old habit, from when she would pull out her cards, but she knew it was locked. She felt the same anticipation. Her mind knew 
that there was nothing wrong with what she was doing and no need to hide it. But she tried to hide it all the same. Would Paris help you undress? She asked. I hid my smile. She was jealous of herself. Yes, I said. My mind flashed me images, memories of dreams, dreams of lives past. Sandals tossed aside, a tunic ripped from my body, being lifted into the air, thrown onto a bed. Yes, she would. I could help, Paris almost whispered. I'd like that, I smiled at her. She seemed to relax. What do I do? If you could remove my shoes and stockings, then unbutton my dress and hold it while I slip out. Lastly, loosen the ties on my corset. I can handle the rest. I can do that. Thank you, I said, as I lifted my dress higher into my lap. Paris slipped off the couch and into a kneeling position. Nothing of me was yet showing. Not really. My shoes gave way to my stockings, and my stockings ran up under my bloomers. My bloomers ran under my dress, and my dress covered my corset, and under my corset was my chemise. But with my skirt in my lap, you could see all of the curves of me, all covered in ribbons, bows, and lace. Paris sat before me like a child on Christmas. She reached forward, placing her hand on my calf. Her grip was soft, and she pulled my foot into her lap. I let out a breath I did not know I was holding. She pulled at the bows, binding the laces, and the knot slipped free. She quickly pulled here and there at the shoestrings until she felt the boot was loose enough. She put one hand on the back of my calf and one on the heel of my boot, then with a swift tug she freed me from my shoe. I wiggled my toes and placed my foot back in her lap. She set the shoe aside. I ran my foot up and down her thigh. She looked up at me with eyes wide in question. I looked off to the right, as if I didn't know what could possibly be going on with my foot, all while I continued to pet her with my toes. She took my foot in one hand, and with her other straightened my stocking, running her hand up and down my leg until my stockings were smooth. She didn't need to do that. My stockings were coming off next anyways, I thought. She set my first foot aside and took the other into her lap. As she worked on the laces, I teased her with my freed foot, petting her leg and arm with another pull both feet were now free. They clapped each other like old friends, then set to try to tickle Paris by poking at her sides, looking for a chink in her leather armor. That was her gun belts. She wiggled for a moment, then taking each foot in hand, she pressed them to the ground, stopping the onslaught. Paris was now on her hands and knees before me. Her head was almost in my lap. I scooted forward in the chair. Now her head was in my lap. I pulled my bloomers up above my garters one at a time. The first peak of skin was showing between the top of my stockings and the bottom of my bloomers. Paris let go of my feet and sat back on her heels, kneeling in front of me. Her head was down. 
her breathing heavy, her chest moved visibly up and down. Damn it, I had gone too far. I leaned forward, brushing my hand through her hair. She looked up at me, her eyes once again questioning. I'm sorry, I said. It's just a little game we used to play. Don't be mad. It's just what good girlfriends do. We can stop. I'm in a fight, she thought. But against what? For what? Stay calm. See the path. The path to where? Paris shook her head. No, I can win any fight, she thought. What are the rules? she asked. You have to figure that out for yourself. It's part of the game. I'm good at games. Are you? We shall see, I smiled. She scooted closer. She put her hands on my knees, then sliding them slowly across the outside of my legs. She moved up past my garters and stockings. Her fingers slipped under my bloomers, gripping me tight. She slid her hands across the back side of my thigh to the top of my legs. Then, forcing her fingers between them, she spread my legs apart with her hands. Her fingers were inches from me, from the center of me. If she had moved just then a little, she would have found me. Instead, she shifted her weight to the side. Now sitting between my legs, she untied the ribbons that held my garters in place. She pulled it free, then placing one hand on the inner thigh of my right leg, her fingers under my bloomers, under my dress, closer than before to finding their way home. My mind begged for her to touch me, but instead she placed the other hand on the top of my stockings and slipped it off slowly, stretching my foot out, caressing my leg with both hands as she went. She pulled the stocking free and set it aside. She knelt again before me, pressing my legs back together, she pulled them back apart, this time a little wider. She shifted again to sit between them, my left leg now isolated for attention. She undid my garter, pulling the ribbon completely free, she tossed it into the air, and the purple silk floated to the ground. She placed her hand on my right leg, now naked of its stocking, and her other hand on the stocking and garter of my left leg. She began to slip the stocking slowly down my leg, leaving her other hand stationary. To do this, she had to bend forward, and the lower the stocking got, the closer her head came to my lap, until she was so close to my legs, still trapped apart, that I could feel her breath on my inner thigh. I closed my eyes, and a tremor washed over me. I opened them, and she was sitting again, on her knees, smiling. So, do I win the game? she asked. Not yet. There are still two more rounds. I stood and held out my hand for her to take. I pulled her up to stand with me. At the last second, I pulled her hard to try to pull her into me. But she shifted back, and it was I who stumbled forward. She caught me and wrapped her arms around me so I wouldn't fall. Clumsy me, I said. 
I took her hand from my back and placed it on my left hip. I guided it up, letting her feel the curve of my body, the silk of my dress. I left her hand resting on the underside of my breasts. That's where the buttons are. Paris looked, and next to her hand was a row of buttons from the top of my hip to the armpit. There are buttons around my sleeve. I took her hand from my chest and moved it around to the seam of my sleeve. Lastly, there are buttons on my collar. I lifted my head and I led her hand down my chin and across my neck and back to my breast where I let it stay. I can do that, Paris said. I lifted my arm in the air so she would have access to all the buttons. Paris set to work quickly, freeing button after button up my side and across my arms. I watched her, and when it came to my collar, I stared into her eyes. She moved her hand slowly to my chin. When it came close, I snapped as if to bite it. She quickly withdrew. She tried another tactic. She set her hand on my shoulder away from my mouth then moved it up to the back of my head, her fingers tangled in my hair. Then gripping lightly, she pulled my head back and my chin went up. I couldn't help but moan. I left my chin up, giving her access now to the buttons on my collar. When all the buttons were undone, I held my pose. Her hand came up to clear the lace from around my neck. She traced a line from my ear to my collar gently with her fingers. Moving aside the delicate fabric, she bent her head forward, as if to check if she'd messed my hair. Her breath now on my neck. I felt her lips come close enough to brush the tiny hairs. Then she stepped back. Thank you, I said. Now, hold the dress here and here. I put her hands on my shoulders. I'm going to step out of it. You just hold it up. I ducked down, disappearing into the fabric. Crawling out from under it, I appeared again, now wearing only my corset, chemise, and bloomers, my cleavage popping up out of the top of the restrictive garment, and a large slit in the crotch of my bloomers threatening to expose me, should I stand just wrong, or just right, depending upon the goal. I will take that. I lifted the dress from her and danced it over to the couch, laying it out as if it were taking a break. I moved the furniture about the train car, swinging my hips more than I needed to, bending down further than necessary, each move promising to expose me, but somehow just falling short of letting Paris see all the way home. Lastly, I reached up to pull down the bed, it was a panel on the wall that came down and made a bed just big enough for one person. I walked back to Paris, slowly, one foot crossing the other as I took each step. Standing before her again, I turned my back to her and lifted my hair, showing her the laces. Could you loosen my corset? Paris petted the small hairs on the back of my neck as her hand moved down to the top of my corset. She untied the bow pulled at the laces until I took a deep breath and let out a small sigh. That's it. Thank you. I turned to her, one hand holding my corset up. The final round. 
I'm going to change into my nightgown. To do that, I have to get completely naked. So turn around. I turned her so that she wasn't facing me. And no peeking. If you turn back around, you lose the game. Paris put her hands on her hips and began to stare at the ceiling. I put my hands on her back and moved down until I was cupping her cheeks. I squished them gently. That's a good girl. As I removed my corset and bloomers and chemise, I intentionally bumped into Paris with my hips or steadied myself by holding her shoulders, so she knew I was still there. I dropped what was left of my clothes in front of her. She looked down at them. From behind, I slipped my arms past her waist. Holding her chest with my hands, I pressed my chest up against her back. I stood on my toes and whispered into her ear. You didn't peek. That's too bad. Sometimes you should do the things you're told not to. They are the most pleasurable. You came so far to see me, and all day I have melted under your gaze. You stood at the line, but you wouldn't cross it. Your lips at my neck, but you didn't kiss me. Your breath on my thigh, and with only a flick of your tongue, you could have known what I tasted like. Your fingers were on the gate, but they did not enter. They could have known how soft I was. You traveled so far, but you won't admit that it's me you came for. It's me you want. I took a deep breath and let it out slowly, warming her neck before I continued. I can. From the moment I knew who you were, I wanted you. I wanted you to kiss me. I wanted you to lick me. I wanted your fingers to touch me. I held her for a moment silently. Her heart was pounding in my hand. I could hear it. I wanted you to peek. I wanted you to show me that you would break the rules. Admit that there is nothing innocent about any of this. Now, it's your turn to confess to me, as I have to you. Do you want me? Maybe it's not too late. You wanted to see me? Why not see all of me? Turn around and lose the game. But just think about what you win. Paris spun around to face me. I was already wearing my nightgown. I was covered from head to toe. Too slow this time, gunslinger, I teased as I hopped out of her grasp. For a moment, she looked wild, like she was going to tackle me. But instead, she dropped her hands to her side and dropped her head, shaking it back and forth. I lost the game, didn't I? Yes, you sure did. But don't be sad. I have a consolation prize for you. I looked around for the purple ribbon Paris had pulled from my garter. I knelt before her, as she had me. On her gun belt, there was a row of bullets around her waist. I removed the bullet closest to her belt buckle, 
and slipped the ribbon through the leather loop left behind. I tied it with a knot that I knew would not slip loose, then put the bullet back. The purple ribbon flashed a tiny splash of color among the brown leathers and light brown cotton of Paris's outfit. I admired my work, then stood. That is my favor. Don't lose it. I kissed her on the cheek. She smiled at me, looking down at the ribbon. She swished it back and forth a little. And don't worry about losing the game. We'll play again tomorrow. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse, read by Paris Lee. Artwork by me, Helen Lee. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead, except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of my artwork and Paris's writing at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at helenoftheironhorse at gmail.com. This podcast was made with the love and support of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you.